Welcome to the Sound Logic Podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today we're tackling album number 52 on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest albums of all time. That one happens to be Greatest Hits by Al Green. weird introducing a compilation album as if the artist had something to do with the title or creation or you know yeah al green's greatest hits chosen by somebody other than al green yeah <laughs> exactly yeah you beat me to the compilation album comment yeah <laughs> another compilation album but you know some of them we have enjoyed and some of them we're not so fond of we're right on the heels of Bob Marley's Legend album, which we both were quite taken by. Um, it wasn't without its flaws as well, but uh, an album we both really liked. So I, I approached this with some optimism, quite differently, I guess, than the, the first string of compilation albums that we had. I'm assuming that means you hadn't heard this before? No, I, I think similar to a couple of other artists on this list, I knew Al Green was a, a soul singer, but I don't think I would have been able to like name a specific song that he was famous for. Even though going through this Greatest Hits album showed me that I knew many of his songs. Oh, okay. I hadn't connected the dots between the name and the music uh, <laughs> in, for whatever reason. How about you? Where, where does Al Green fall in Mike Jones' canon? I've had very little exposure to Al Green over the years, and unlike you, I didn't recognize any except for Let's Stay Together. That one I knew, and I knew that was Al Green. Okay. And that's one I've I've heard over the years, but other than that, I know very little about this artist and his music, and I know he's uh, well-known, and I know he's been successful. I didn't know he's, he's still living. He's in his 70s i think i read 74 and a lot of the artists we've talked about um have passed either a long time ago at a young age or uh at this point in 2020 they have just died of of natural causes of old age uh, because of the age of some of these albums but al green was very young when he got his start we'll talk about that a little later and is still is still with us which is which is great and is and I'm, i'm not trying to make any rude comments about that just to say that a lot of the artists we've discussed have passed on. So something I didn't know because, again, I'm just not familiar with this artist at all. That's Yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I don't know if you caught on our social media just a few weeks ago. Um, I had posted a, a neat little kind of like cartoon image of deceased music artists. And uh, the caption was like, pick any three for your ultimate if you could concert right. or something like that. Yeah, I and, saw that. Uh, uh, listener of the podcast and uh, recent t-shirt winner, Josh Burnson posted, hey, where's Hendrix? Because he wasn't listed in the, uh, in the, and there was about, you know, 20 different artists who'd passed away. And I thought, yeah, that's true. There, He's not there. And then I started going back through 
there were dozens of people just in the first 50 albums who have also passed right. away. And uh, and so even though we're tackling greatness here, it, you're right. It is kind of the exception when a legendary singer is still with us. Legendary, and we should also say ordained. He's uh, the Reverend Al Green. So oh, I didn't know that. Wow. We should introduce him as Al Green, but we should uh, we should introduce him as the Reverend Al Green. <laughs> we can get into that a little bit later on. Of course. <laughs> Maybe we can get away with it because he wasn't ordained at the time of this release. Oh, interesting. We'll have to we'll have to go back and see exactly when that was. <laughs> Well, speaking of when that was, why don't we just jump right into some details here? Sounds good. Details, 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 details. So this compilation album was released April 1975. All the songs were written by Al Green, with I believe one exception. And most of the songs have a co-writing credit to Willie Mitchell and Al Jackson Jr., who I believe were people who worked with Al Green regularly. In 1975, this went to number three on Billboard's Top Soul LPs list and to number 17 on the Billboard 200. Uh, In the U.S., this has sold over two million, so that's two times platinum. And I think it was silver or gold in the U.K. A few notes on the album aside of that. Uh, It's consistently ranked as one of the best executed greatest hits albums in history. Now, I don't know how you (laughs) determine that. I guess that's just another list out there, like the Rolling Stone 500 list. (laughs) People just vote. Um, But I think there's something to be said about looking at a whole collection or the way that a collection is compiled. Like we talked about the Bob Marley collection, which is just again a a small snippet of his career and a small picture of the style of music and the lyrical content of music it really doesn't Mm -hmm. touch a whole lot a little bit but much on his a lot of the activism and songs about injustice in jamaica still it's you know it's one of the favorite compilation albums of all time so this is one of the best ones um i found very interesting al green's first album came out i think in 67 and to this point in 75 he had released eight albums although the 10 tracks on the original lp of this greatest hits only are pulled from five of those albums and they're only albums released from 71 to 73 so he released five albums in those three years 71 72 73 there was five albums Um, (laughs) those are the ones that uh, get where songs get pulled from. He did another one in '74, and then this was released in April. In I think August of '75, he had another studio album come out. So <laughs> he was extremely prolific in that early '70s of just cranking out tons of music. Yeah, this is something not uncommon, Ben. We've talked about many times that all the not all, but so many of the artists that we've talked about in the '60s and '70s, especially released a prolific amount of music and i would say on top of that they were all touring bands yep with the exception of the beatles who stopped in 65 which again is only halfway through their career the rest of the bands they all toured and still released one or two 
albums a year or or some of them maybe three albums in two years like just insane and they toured just Um, crushing it it's no wonder that so many of them burnt out or so many of them also (laughs) had drug addictions because i mean how can you i mean i'm generalizing but how can you do all that without being like coked out all the time because where do you get your energy from right (laughs) Uh, that's a generalization and i no i I think that's a great point um one of the most iconic um baseball biographies is uh jim bouton's book i'm telling you for the last time which is kind of a tell-all book about some of the sort of hidden darkness in the baseball world and in that he talks about the rise of amphetamine usage and and a lot of it had to do with playing 162 game season and just being exhausted all the time so guys were taking these uppers just to get out of bed and just to make it to the ballpark wow Um, wow and and I think you're right. Like I think a lot of the substance stuff that we see in the music industry is just simply to cope with the pressure to stay on top and to, you know, be overdoing everything. Uh, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. it comes from money, but sometimes I think just the pressure to to succeed, um, and probably for certain artists, the pressure to be earning a living. Um, there's lots of people touring today who. We're just barely scraping by, but playing hundreds of shows each year, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a cruel, it's a cruel industry. <laughs> um, I I find it yeah. fascinating. I'm curious what your take is. You know, this greatest hits album is kind of when he's in the prime of his career. So many of the greatest hits albums we've tackled yeah. so far are like done kind of posthumously, or at least a few years after the sort of pinnacle. Um, you mentioned the albums that this draws on all were released within five years before it and uh and more albums come out right after it too (laughs) Um, and yet this is held up as his greatest hits or was at the time anyway Uh, it's really interesting to me that and i i think uh skeptically i would have assumed at the time that this was just a cash grab but you know here we are 45 years later still talking about this album as one of the greatest of all time um, it's really interesting. I thought about that too as I was doing a little bit of light research for this. But it's always interesting when someone has a Greatest Hits album released early in their career. This was only eight years into his career. A career right. that has spanned like 50 years. I think he released an album in 2010. Wow. And ironically <laughs> and I... I mean, no disrespect when I say this, but simply statistically, I think these were his greatest hits. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to be rude. rude. Maybe, maybe there was something. Maybe, maybe um, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> sort of uh, serendipitous about, yeah, or bad luck, maybe. Right, or maybe there's something. Yeah, I was going to say there's something damning about yeah. doing that. Well, you've <laughs> already done your greatest. Yeah. We're not going to buy your next album. <laughs> Oh man, but um, I I do find it interesting. Like he's pumping out records, and yet you release a greatest hits. Like I've seen some artists, or uh, I guess record companies, but release you know the hits this year to this year. Like that makes sense. Like Al Green's hits from you know seventy to seventy three, mm-hmm. with the anticipation, oh, we'll do another one. You know, uh, five years from now. Uh, but to say you know greatest <laughs> hits. Uh, greatest hits you know while he's cranking out like two albums a year just seems 
a, like an interesting choice. I will make one more point as well. This is sort of unrelated, but we do a lot of our, again, emphasize very light research when we do these reviews, and we like to have a little bit of a background. But it's not like you know you and I have spent months and exploring different <laughs> resources. You know, usually it's Wikipedia, which is very helpful to find stuff. But the Wikipedia entry for this album is very short. And most of the albums we've looked up, there's a good amount of detail about it. This one is like, there's a three-sentence introduction. There's the track listing. There's some personnel. I don't think it's all personnel. That's it. (laughs) A lot of, a a lot of, even the compilation albums, you know, there's, someone's written some background, or this is how they chose, or this is how it was received. Here's the sales. This is, here's the producer, and here's why they chose the, the songs they did. And there's like no background. And that might not mean anything. Just that nobody's decided to write stuff about this album. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's the case. But I just find it very interesting because usually I go through and I can get a few nuggets out of what's there and I take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Uh, but usually there's some references, but there's like nothing on this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. And a scolding uh, to whoever the Wikipedia uh, editors and authors are for Al Green to go and put something there. Just give us something. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Anyways, but we've gleaned a few things from yeah. that. Um, I've I've been, as we're talking here, I'm staring at this image. Uh, what comments do you have on this album cover? <laughs> well, before we move on to that, just a additional detail. I feel like we should continue on with uh, the earlier comment about him being ordained. He, oh, okay, sure. He he experienced a tragedy. I, I guess. Uh, right around this time um just soon after this okay. album came out i guess in which his girlfriend at the time uh, was a, a victim of suicide and he oh, was no. so deeply crushed by this um, that he ended up turning to faith and uh, eventually became an ordained minister and his his music shifts dramatically in the late 70s um becomes far less popular because he becomes a very sort of traditional gospel artist and it takes him several years for him to slip back into sort of pop music but yeah just a a really significant traumatic moment uh sends his career off in a different trajectory which i think is really important to note too Uh, you know you know maybe it is the lingering side effects of already having released a greatest hits album that makes him feel like he can go off in a new direction or maybe it was just simply um, living through something so painful that that made him take kind of a hard turn uh, there into, into something kind of different. I just think that's a really fascinating part of the person behind this music, uh, even though that story does come slightly after it. But I think you're onto something. I think just after all of these hits come out, the hits that appear on this album, um, is when this, this incident occurred and the change, and maybe the music was different and consequently did not resonate in the same way yeah with the consumers um i'm just trying to make factual statements there and not, yeah because i'm sure his music was very good but if it's not successful it's just not successful uh, for whatever reason and we'll let other people fight about what that is i'm not yeah. about to 
enter into that argument, but um, maybe maybe too that the because um, I mentioned earlier the name uh, Willie Mitchell, who helped write most of these songs. He's the producer mm-hmm. on this compilation album. Perhaps he knew that Al Green had had undergone this change in his life and kind of figured it was an appropriate time to release this because maybe he felt that that was that was the pinnacle now's the time to do it because we're not going to get much better than this maybe perhaps i think the i think the loss of his girlfriend happened after 75 so it would have been um would have been after that but well it says it says 74 oh oh 74 okay yeah october 74 so yeah um it would have been before this came out so it would have been between recording for i know he had one in a a studio album in 74 and then one again i think it was august or october of 75 so some point in that time period there uh one little nugget i did glean from wikipedia not the uh album page for this but the career page for Al Green is that there's a documentary that came out in the eighties called the gospel according to Al Green. So that might, oh. that might illuminate a few things for us uh, yeah. on how he moved through that time. Um, or for our listeners who want to do a bit more of a deep dive. Thomas is always looking for another dozen albums to add to his playlist. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's stuff out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like I said before, a very long career, even after this, Yep. I think he did like another, you know, 15, 20 albums. Yep. So we've got uh, uh, the Church of John Coltrane and uh, the Gospel According to Al Green. Um, it'll be interesting to uh, keep adding to this list of um, godly musicians from this list as we go. <laughs> it, it it could be a short list, Ben. That's hard to say. <laughs> Music is spiritual. We'll we'll see what what happens. As it we is, go but on. a lot of a lot of the artists we've talked about <laughs> decidedly uh, against that. But anyways, <laughs> I guess I'm not as familiar with his other album covers. Um, I think he's more clothed in a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I mean it's it's a cool shot. I mean, what would the kids say today? Thirsty. Uh, sure. Playful is the is the <laughs> word that comes to my mind. Okay, it's like something <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah, I went in the wrong direction. Hither about it or something like that. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. You're, no. I think yeah. it is sexual in some ways. He's kind of reaching his hands out, right? The one's co- kind of closer to his body. The other. It one. looks like he's pulling his index finger back with his pinky oh, finger, right. trying right. to figure yeah. out what. Almost like he's like. Like, gonna flick it at someone. Yep. Like when you flick your finger at someone, like, hey, yep. uh, is that more of like a '70s thing? I don't know. I was trying to figure <laughs> out what he's doing with his hands, uh, and I couldn't quite figure it out. But um, you know, hey, there's no question. He's a good-looking guy. Like, uh, <laughs> and 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 he's and he's young. Like even at like when he started, he was like 23, and I don't know when exactly this photo was taken but even when the compilation album came out i think he was 31 so he's probably somewhere around 25 this is a young guy so there's you know there's yeah. attraction in, in youth and just youth alone 
uh, you know, muscular guy. So, yeah, it's it's a great shot. I don't know enough about Al Green to say how this embodies or encapsulates him and his personality. But we can say that, at very least, of the ten tracks on this album, they are, I think, 100% romantic in nature. Mm, yep. I don't think there's one song that isn't. Uh, so it <laughs> it's thematic. Yeah, and you get them pretty much from the title. Like the titles are all you can glean yeah, that right yes. away. <laughs> Tired of being yeah, well, yeah, you'll go I, over the title soon, but um, as we'll, you go, we'll go through, through it, they're all to listen. They're all <laughs> romantically charged. Yeah, they're all about relationships. They're all about <laughs> love. Um, you, you and know, me specifically romantic love yeah so i mean that so the in that sense this photo is uh 100 appropriate right yeah <laughs> um it fits yeah and i think it's a cool shot like i like it yeah me too a part of a part of me wants to say it's cheesy but i don't think it is cheesy just because it's like yeah of course and it looks candid and in, in a way that i think staged album covers don't often look this doesn't look like um, he's like not smiling to be cool or something. Like it looks like they caught him at a pretty genuine moment, I guess. Whoever took this picture. Yeah, I want to contrast this to Michael Jackson's Thriller, where he's you know <laughs> lying on his side. It's like it's it's an iconic album cover, but he like he looks kind of uncomfortable and awkward. It's very staged. The lighting is odd. What he's wearing is kind of odd. Um, he's got that one curl on, you know, hanging down. Uh, he's kind of smiling a little bit, but I, it's just it. Everything about it seems very, very safe. Just as yeah, you're right. Candid. I think the word you used before, playful, is is really good because it's not, you know, it's not overtly sexual or you know, like intentionally dirty or explicit in any way. Mm. Uh, it's a nice shot absolutely there's a um you can probably find this with a quick google hit but the the back album uh he does have a top on i always forget to look that up it's uh it's a jacket that goes with those white pants with the embroidery or whatever but there's four of him all in different kind of poses uh okay and and it's really cool it's a neat uh image Uh, i found I found that while digging a little bit into trying to figure out some something about this album cover. Oh, okay. And, uh, the guy who was writing this blog entry wasn't really like a historian or anything, just someone going through some covers that he liked. And he said, it seemed like Al Green was jumping off the album cover into my living room. And I think that there's something to that, that like, I don't know, it just, it does feel like he's right there with you. Yeah, it is personal. I'm finding that back cover now. That's cool. Yeah, he's like, it's, it's like four different. It's like he's dancing, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and that that white embroidered jacket with the mm-hmm. flowers. That's kind of <laughs> it's that's something. Yeah, <laughs> I think any of those four images probably could have worked as a cover substitution as well. Maybe the one on the far right's a little weird, but <laughs> yeah, I like the one on the left. Anyways, uh, so that. <laughs> Well, everyone at home is just listening to us talk about things yeah. we've seen. <laughs> so let's move to the track listing. The original LP 
had 10 tracks, five aside, for a grand total of uh, 36 and a half minutes. That mm. is very short, especially compared to all the others we've listened to, which are maybe like 20 or 22 minutes aside, and this is like 18 minutes aside. Um, yeah. It's quite short. We're talking early Beatles short here. Oh, geez, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a, a deluxe CD released in 95, which had some more songs on it. But the original had 10 tracks, and they are Tired of Being Alone. I'm so tired of being alone. I'm so tired of being alone. Won't you help me, girl, just as soon as you can. Call me. Come back home. I'm still in love with you. Here I am, come and take me. And track five is How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? On the original LP, but later it was replaced by Love and Happiness. Love and happiness. Wait a minute, something's going wrong. Side two starts something's with Let's Stay Together. Get next to you. Yeah, you're the key to my happiness, and I can't get next to you. You ought to be with me. Look what you've done for me. Let's get married. So you're right. All very explicitly about <laughs> romantic <laughs> relationships. It's on um, the nose. Did you notice the writers for uh, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart, Ben? I did not catch that. Who's that? Barry and Robin Gibb. Should I know those names? Well, the initial of Barry Gibb is BG. Oh. The Bee Gees. The Bee Gees, Ben. The Bee Gees. I know you're a Bee Gees fan. Oh, man. I have a funny story about the Bee Gees, actually. I know you do. This has uh, shown my ignorance once again of the greatness of the Bee Gees. Did I tell this story already? Well, you have told me a BG story before. In South Africa? Yes. Does, I was going to say, does it take place in South Africa? 
Well, you should share it. Why don't you share it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think I've mentioned before, perhaps not, that um, I did a semester abroad in South Africa during college, and one morning my host father that I was uh, living with. Around the breakfast table was asking us what we like to listen to as far as music goes, and and he said, uh, "I got a question for you guys. What's the greatest band of all time?" And I very quickly said, "You too," because I was really into you too. And he said, "What?" I said, "Nah, I'm just kidding. Probably not. Like something like the Beatles. Probably." He said, "No, no way. Not the Beatles." We guessed and we guessed and we guessed. And he said, Ugh, "You guys are never going to get this. The Bee Gees." And we were just like, what? The Bee Gees are the greatest band in the whole world? Um, and so, yeah, it was an eye-opening experience, I guess, about the way culture can can cross oceans. Uh, hey, I'll never forget that that moment. I have not done any service to the Bee, to the Bee Gees in, uh, since that time. Uh, you would think by now, with Spotify, I would, I would go down the rabbit trail uh, and try and learn why my host father in South Africa thought they were the greatest band in the world. But I do like track five. How can you mend a broken heart? So maybe I need to go and, and give the Gibb brothers a chance. <laughs> maybe that's why I thought you were a Bee Gees fan because I knew that story. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm not. Or at least not yet. Not yet. Yeah, will be. Now you said that when you listen to this, you found that several of the songs were familiar to you. Uh, yeah. I think we could both say that Let's Stay Together is familiar. That was the, the only one that jumped out to me as familiar. I didn't recognize the other ones. Uh, were, were there some that you that jumped out? You're like, oh, I know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here I Am, Come and Take Me. Um, okay. I think even the title track, uh, not the title track, the, the, the first track on the album, um, there's right. a familiarity, I think, to call me as well. Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know. Maybe it's just in listening to it this week, but each one of them has like a uh, a sound familiarity. But maybe it's because I knew two or three of them, and uh, they all kind of sound like they're from that same era because they are <laughs> by the same artist, yeah. the same similar yeah. style. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to this album several times in the last few days, just trying to absorb it as much as I could. And every time Let's Stay Together got, came on, just with the the horns at the beginning, every time I heard that, I got just kind of this warm feeling and a smile came over my face every time because it's such, <laughs> such a familiar song. It, it's become very cliche, like, you know, if there's a romantic scene in a movie by the fireside you know and uh one of the people goes over to turn on some music you know there's like a 50 50 chance it's going to be this or like let's get it let's get it on by marvin gay you know like yeah. uh yep. it's become kind of a pop pop cultural cliche uh but it is just one of those songs that's just so good and it sounds good one thing i noticed on that song and several of them let's get together is not very long and but it ends in a fade and a lot of them end in a fade like the chorus just repeats and it fades out it's like a part of my brain was going well did they just not figure out how to finish the song or could this song have been another another verse or another could there have been a bridge or a solo in it 
um, like there was a few of them that just faded out. I, that might have been just yeah. cultural at the time. Was just was just trendy to just just have a really warm fade. But there were several of them that verse chorus verse chorus repeat and then a fade out. It's like oh we could I could have gone for another another verse another <laughs> or <round>. bridge. <laughs> yeah, that's like interesting. Let's, we, we, we could have done like that's a good tune. We could have done that you know for another thirty seconds yeah. at least. Maybe this is a sign that we haven't done our homework, but it makes me wonder if um, they were edited that way for the sake of the greatest hits collection, and if there is more to these songs on the actual albums. Or I don't know. It wasn't like they were trying to save space on the vinyl with with a thirty five. No, minute. they had lots of room. Uh, I I am hmm. guessing that that style. The, the, the I think it's just the style. I I really don't know, yeah. but I don't think that. The other thing I notice is that, and I'm going to touch on this again, even though this is really a showcase of Al Green's exceptional vocal talent and performance, which reminded me of Little Richard, where he's just way out in front. And to me, this, the the songs and the other things happening in the songs kind of just fade to the background because his vocal performance is just way above everything else. I felt that way here but also there he has a lot is a big sound with a lot of support around him like the songs are very much about his vocal you know you don't hear a, the backing vocals i couldn't even tell if they were women or if they if it was him just backing up at a very high octave um yeah i didn't see any names on the listing of for any background vocalists and that's the reason why i feel that it might be just him the voices are so high it sounds like female backing vocals, but I think it might be him. I don't know. Because um, he has a very high range, extremely high. Um, and he's got an exceptional talent. But but I did notice that like there there's, there's a big sound. There's lots of horns. There's It's a big band. There's a big sound, but it never gets in the way. There's not any extended. There's some good guitar work. There's not any extended solos. It's very much there to showcase his vocal, but it was a very big nice round complimenting sound and and i really appreciated it even though it never took the spotlight yeah we've talked about other we've talked about other bands where every where a band where every member kind of gets their time to shine you know i think one of the best examples recently was the doors you hear everybody's everybody gets their solo everybody gets their shot almost in every song everybody gets a moment to showcase what they do I think uh, Fleetwood Mac did that very well, especially with the different songwriters, you know, showcasing their the song they wrote and they sing and everybody gets to show what they do. But then on the solo albums like this, we have lots of other players, but really it's just about backing up that vocalist. Right. Just make me sound good. Yeah. And they do. Have you watched The Wrecking Crew yet? I haven't. Were they on this? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know that they were not. Uh, that comment just made me think again of that wonderful slice of uh, uh, wisdom. Well, we talked about them uh, last week when we talked about uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Waters because they were on that one. I really have enjoyed getting to know this album. I think my assumption before pressing play was that it was going to be all cliche love songs Um, you mentioned Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On I think I have I got a a greatest hits of Marvin Gaye 
I think it was probably just a, you know, one of those like budget greatest hits slapped together by a record company to make a few bucks. You know, all generically looking the same as the other greatest hits album that are on the shelves. Right. Uh, and it was all of his sort of cliche love songs, and it was pretty sappy. And I, I was thinking that's what this was going to be, um, like just like kind of candy coated romance and and just almost hard to listen to after a while. And I found myself really enjoying these ten tracks, and um, I was always a little bit surprised when it got to the end. Now it is it is a shorter album, so maybe that's part of it. But I, I really liked it, and um, I'm not sure that it has sort of made me feel the same way that um, Bob Marley's Greatest Hits album does. And but but this is a fantastic collection of songs, and and not. They don't. Even though I can tell they're all romance songs, there's a, there's something more here. There's there's like I don't know. It's it's a little meatier maybe <laughs> than I was imagining. And there's some really great tracks here too. Uh, here I am, come and take me. I think is is uh, the one that stands out for me. Just a really well written song in general. And uh, this is another one that I'm just really glad I got a chance to to listen to. Uh, I'll save my comments for whether or not it belongs on this list for a little later in this episode. But um, I, I'm glad we got to to hear it, and it, it does make me want to dig into, especially those early '70s albums that that these songs came yeah. from to see if there's something more there. Yeah, me too. It it. Um, do you remember a Canadian band in the 2000s called Jaxel? No. But I was going to bring up another Canadian artist, but keep going with the Jack Soul, and we'll talk about the other one. I, I was just just as we've been talking, I'm just looking up a couple things, and um, because I don't always know off the top of my head if there's a, a Canadian band that gets a lot of radio play. Sometimes Americans, even in the northern, even in like New York State, for example, have never heard them because if they haven't become international. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much we know them here. You just you just never heard of them outside of the country, or at least not on the radio. So Jack Soul was like a kind of funky soul. I don't know, very very light, you know, easy listening band in the in the two thousands. They had maybe five or six albums, and then it was well, I think maybe ten years ago now. Their lead singer um, passed away from cancer after he actually he was hit. He was hit by a car on his moped and was in critical oh, wow. condition. And then it was like within the year he passed away, but not from his injuries. From He was actually battling cancer as well. So very tragic. However, they had a uh, song that was really popular up here in 2004 called I, I Still Believe in Love. And when I hear I'm Still in Love with You, I thought that maybe Jack Soul took the melody from the chorus. Uh, but I don't oh, see okay. any credit to Al. I don't see any credit to Al Green. But uh, I'm still in love with you. And then the Jack Soul is. I still believe in love. Oh yes, I do. Just not with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great. It's a great song. It's really funny. Um, words are almost. It's almost the same melody. That might just be me, but I'll have to play that back back to back but um when i listened to this al green and then started thinking about jack soul uh, i thought man they must have pulled their inspiration from if not al green himself all the kind of soul 
from this era because it's almost the like their sound is almost a straight lift of music from this era uh, the kind of soul era in the late 60s early 70s i i'm not very familiar with jack soul i'll have to go check him out but remy shand yeah. is the one that i thought of uh, oh, very similar yeah. kind of like <laughs> slower um r&b vibe uh from a canadian artist lots of high falsetto harmonizing and uh yep and a, and a pretty decent sort of backbeat keeping it all together too i actually get a little bit of uh jamiroquois vibes too when i when i listen to al green i'm not oh. sure what that's about it's making me wonder sort of like how my music listening as a teenager would have been different had i known what all those artists were borrowing from <laughs> yeah yeah well that's come up a few times right yeah the philosopher We're, kings are another canadian band that uh oh geez yeah i don't know if you ever got into them but they they really borrow heavily on r and soul at times a little bit not too much but definitely uh it's familiar and again, we, we became, you know, in well, even to this day, but certainly even in our youth, we were the benefactors of the artists who got to build on this foundation that had been laid in the 60s and 70s That's right. by so many That's different right. artists across genres to create the foundation for where these other artists could springboard from. So That's right, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if, you know, I would have appreciated it any more <laughs> as a ignorant 15 year old if someone had said hey when you listen to that it, this comes from this band or i mean maybe like we talked about you know i wish someone had pointed out to me the ramones in my yeah, youth to yeah. say hey you know what if you don't end up loving it that's fine but you should you should appreciate that this is where the music you love came from i think i probably would have right. maybe more so that we talked about the sex pistols i might not have been comfortable with that music um, in my teens but I think the Ramones I would have been and I think I would have appreciated to know where the music that I listened to directly came from because I was into some of that 90s era punk which kind of bled into pop punk which I wasn't into as much but yeah, all those yeah. bands I mean they pulled from so yeah this because uh, I you know we listen I listened I was never had an album but I listened to the Philosopher Kings they were they were on the radio and on the Canada, I don't think we've talked about this much. Canada's version of MTV, which was much music. I don't even want to know the hours I logged watching much music uh, between <laughs> the years of 96 and 99. I, Man, I bet you I logged like 40 hours a week on that station. Holy moly. Music trivia from like 96 to 98, I cannot lose because I did nothing else. <laughs> pop-up video in the evenings other than oh pop-up video and the countdown and like you know it covered every genre except for maybe country they didn't do a whole lot of country but rock and pop hip-hop r&b uh they it was all covered and, and there have been times where this funk sound funk and soul sound has come back for different artists you know talked about remy shand again another canadian artist who was never really popular south of the border but even someone like Justin Timberlake, really popular R&B artists, um, Beyonce, like the, all this sound comes in and out and, you know, there's a hit now and then that's just drenched in the soul of the 70s. But yeah, it, it was, but that's a bit of a rabbit trail, but I was hearing 
so many other things as I listen to this, and I agree with you on those influences. Is this a good time to pick tracks for our Spotify playlist? Uh, this is an easy one for me. I think Here I Am, Come and Take Me is my right choice. How about you? Uh, I got to go with uh, Let's Stay Together. I know it's the it's the big hit, but I just love it. Added and added. I will say I agree with you. I love the horns in Here I Am, Come and Take Me. Just that big, yeah, big sound, that soul sound. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good job. <laughs> I guess in general, uh, I would agree with your comments about uh, baby making music. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a week or two ago, when we were trying to figure out when we were going to record this, we were both like, oh, we haven't really listened. And I texted back, that's okay. It's just baby making music. Um, <laughs> I actually think uh, it's more than that now. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> It is more than that, yet uh, there's something very, there is something very sexual about it. I don't want to say that every song is, you know, let's get it on, but but it, it I mean, let's face it, they are all about romantic relationships. Um, they are, they are different, different aspects about them, but but and and they, they're all very positive. I would I would venture that eight out of ten are in a major key. I think here I am might be in a minor key and some of the other, but they're all in major key. Like, so they're very, very positive, happy. So, I mean, they put you in a good mood and you want to be in a good mood when yep. you're it doing, partaking in that act, particular activity uh, with someone else. So like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, listen, we talked about Remy Shan. I mean that like, man, that <laughs> something about that. That style of music, you know, like you're right. I think Remy Shan, though, and, and there's a few beats slower. Like it is, it is chill, like relaxing. Th- these are sort of upbeat pop songs that we're listening to. Yeah, they have this true. whole backbone, uh, with a couple exceptions. They they are uh, major chord, upbeat love songs. Yeah, <laughs> which which I think is yeah. a different category than baby making music. Um, in a small, <laughs> subtle way. Maybe. Babies can be made to any music, I guess. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> okay, so so given all that, and we talked about how yeah. much influence has had on, on popular music, is this still relevant today? This is, this is definitely right out of the soulful 70s. Yes. It feels both relevant and dated at times. Yep. I would say the way the way that R and B still borrows from this genre, I, I think, means that this is more relevant than some of the other stuff that we've tackled. Um, but as a sort of like knowing where you came from, kind of relevant, rather than a you know I could hear this on the radio today, kind of relevant. If that makes any sense, it does. I think this music should be appreciated, I guess, by the people making pop music today. Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of important aspects to it that I think has to be contained in every popular song. I agreed with you on... I I felt that the sound is very dated. You can tell exactly what era this music comes from. However, I would challenge anybody to feel anything other than happy and positive while listening to this music. It's, it's a happy 
grouping of songs. It's drenched in positivity, um, even if you know they are a little lovey-dovey and, and always about romantic relationship. I I can't see somebody in a room in a social setting or even with just a couple people with and asking to turn this music off. You know, like oh that sounds awful or you know that that's maybe if you were all in on a really sad mood talking about you know something very sad maybe maybe but but in i don't see it it even if it just fades into the background i think there's a component of music that has to be very good to do that because if it's not easy to listen to it can't fade in the background because people go like oh what is that you're listening to or or they're not able to carry on a, a good conversation because they're distracted. I think this could be on and like just everybody's happy. They hear it now and then yeah. and they bob their heads and they continue talking. I just see it very, it's very easy to listen to. You can engage it and really get into it uh, because uh, like I said, there's a, there's a big rich sound or you can also let it kind of float in the background and it's just very pleasing. So I think that, it's relevant and part of its relevancy is that it's still very easy to listen to and there's nothing about it that you go oh you know we don't really we don't really use keyboards like that anymore or that saxophone sound or that guitar sound or the way he's singing uh we don't we haven't heard that in a while no it's all i think it's all very relevant for today mm-hmm. would you how you know would you record and release a track in the exact same way no but I think there are so many aspects of it that that fit in very well with today's music and today's audience. So the answer is yes. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, now we get into the, the meat of it. And once again, a compilation album, <laughs> which we've been Ooh. somewhat harsh on in the past. Yeah, <laughs> thumbs down. Um, Number 52 on the Rolling Stone 500. Is this choice sound logic here, Ben? What do you think? I don't think so. I think I was I was um, thinking back to my review of uh, John Coltrane's The Love Supreme that, you know, it just doesn't fit necessarily with what I think of Rolling Stone and the magazine covering. Um, maybe in the 70s they were, they were tackling Al Green, but uh, I think he deserves to be at the top of another kind of list rather than mashed into the fifties with a bunch of mostly rock and roll albums. So I would say I like this album a lot. I wish it wasn't a compilation album. And, uh, and I just don't think the genre is quite right for the rest of this list. So no. And, and similar to Coltrane, it's not because I feel like he needs to go up or down the list just that this is the wrong list for this album to be on it's a category mistake category mistake <laughs> uh for all those voters who could pick from anything they wanted <laughs> you yeah 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 exactly i feel similar i think some of my reasons are a little different uh, again i i feel slightly ignorant in speaking about the influence this album has had we've talked about a few bands and a few artists um so i could be persuaded otherwise however unless you can convince me that influence is a major factor and i think that somebody who's 
done just even a little bit more research than we have could convince me. I don't think it needs to be quite this high. Again, I really enjoyed it. It's good. Uh, Al Green is a great artist and a legend. Made his mark and continued to release music, like we said, until very recently. I, I think it's good. I just don't see... And it's, you know, it's a couple million copies. That's more than a lot of the other albums we've talked about. So it's been successful. Yep. I just don't see it needing to be quite... I would have ex- expected this kind of... Comp- Again, the, the meat, the heart and soul of this list really is rooted in rock. And I'm not... Again, I'm not commenting on whether that's right or wrong. That's just a fact of what the majority of this list is about. This yeah. one I see fitting, you know, lower down. I don't want to say exactly okay. where, 100, 150. I don't mind it being on the list. If Marvin Gaye's What's Going On is number six, then there's no reason that this can't be here or higher, okay? I guess that's like, true, it's, yeah. It's, and like, I, sim- yeah. it's similar genre, right? It's not like yeah. this hasn't yeah. had an influence on rock music or popular music, because it has. Um, but yep. then again, being a compilation album and... Again, so the strange, you know, of eight years into his career and they're releasing a greatest hits again is just very interesting to yeah. me. Um, and then, you yeah. know, the irony that it really was some of his greatest hits that he never really had, to my knowledge, again, ignorant, um, but any chart toppers yeah. after this, really, that I can think of. Uh, it's just strange. But I, I think this one might be a little high, but. I don't, I don't have any ridiculously strong feelings about it, and I don't mind it being here. And there's other yeah. some albums around it that I think you know it fits in well. I, I like all that, and I, maybe I'll change my opinion slightly to say that, that I, you're right. The genre isn't quite as much of a problem as as perhaps the jazz albums. But we mentioned that this these songs come from an era where he was releasing a lot of music and a lot of albums all at once and al green has two more albums on the list and they are of course from that era so number 286 is i'm still in love with you from 1972 and four spots after that number 290 is call me from 1973 so again Uh, it's almost like it wouldn't have even cracked the 100s No, but there were people. It's almost like there were people who were voting for Al Green because it was important in that time for them. Yeah, yeah. But then this other album gets inserted here. Like, well, we, you know, this this has all its hits, so we'll put this. Yeah, yeah. Again, skeptical, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Any other comments on uh, Al Green's greatest hits, Bud? Before we call it a wrap, let's stay together my final comment oh yes let's <laughs> let's let's stay together um call me unfortunately uh i just can't get next to you <laughs> stupid coronavirus you ought to be with me i'm tired of being alone <laughs> We want to thank all of you for joining us once again and listening to the Sound Logic podcast, and we hope you join us next time when we discuss album number fifty-three on the RS Top Five Hundred list, and we revisit our old friends, the Beatles. When we talk about Meet the Beatles, all right. It's been—I feel like it's been a while since we've talked 
uh, about the Fab Four. I think so. It'll be fun. Until then, Ben, take care of yourself and all you at home. Please take care of yourselves, and we'll talk to you next time. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.